1: Your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at ChoiceHotels.com, where travels come true.
2: Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating Pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable, size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies, so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection
0: USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable.
1: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio.
0: Happy Friday. I'm Tracy V. Wilson.
1: Is this how we usually start this? I'm Holly Fry. For some reason, my brain was like, "Why didn't she say birthday after you said happy?" It's nobody's birthday. No. It's just the way you let in with happy. I'm like birthday. <laughs> I'm also just like, what?
0: How do we normally kick off our Friday min- minisodes? Uh, it's been a strange, a strange week, strange week in our lives as of when we're recording this, and we don't know what the week will have been like when this comes out. Uh, but we no talked clue. about olymp de gouge. Yes. I did the thing where I was like, "Ah, oh, I should thank people who have, <laughs> who have suggested this topic," and there were so 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 many. Uh, it's uh, she's somebody that has been on my list for a really long time, and then there kept being things that made me go, "I just can't, uh, I can't talk about somebody getting guillotined right now." Um, and then when I started working on this, and there was an attack on the Capitol, I was like, "It's too late." I I can't get away from the I'm, guillotine. I'm in thing. too deep. Yeah, yeah. I do not have time to switch switch tracks on this one. I did not know that there was uh, all the stuff I said at the beginning of the episode about how, um, like, she's most famous for the Declaration of the Rights of Woman, but that wasn't actually what led to her execution, and that also was like just one tiny thing of her other work. Like, I did not know anything about any of the rest of that.
1: Right. Uh, it's interesting. You know, her Declaration of the Rights of Woman made me think, of course, about the Declaration of Sentiments. Oh, yeah. But just to keep... Because they're similarly um, modeled after an original document switching out language pretty carefully. But it's interesting to note that hers, you know, predates that one by almost 60 years. Yeah. Right? Uh, Seneca Women's Convention was 1848, I think. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. So I I have to naturally wonder if they were at least in part inspired by that.
0: Yeah, um, it it also came out just a year before Mary Wollstonecraft's *Vindication on the Rights of Woman*. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there was there was a lot going on that was she was sort of part of the early parts of. I found the the lack of depth and clarity about her biography, uh, a little. Frustrating. That happens a lot of the time when we're talking about people from the long ago past. Um, like when we're talking about somebody from the 11th century, and we're like, we don't know anything about their biography at all. That's not particularly surprising. Uh, but for somebody as relatively recent as olympe de Gouges, it was a little frustrating. Um, there is a website that is olamtegouj.eu that has English translations of a ton of her stuff. So in terms of reading English translations of her written work there is a lot more uh available in English on that score than there is like in-depth analysis of her biography right <laughs> maybe some answering of some of the questions about things about <laughs> her life
1: right i i also in reading this over uh i looked this over this morning before we started recording and i was reminded of a thing. I'm trying to think of the best way to talk about this. That I overheard in a hotel bar in LA back when traveling happened. Mm -hmm. Which is this whole thing about her writing and whether or not she was the daughter of the Marquis de Pompignan. I was sitting in this bar and I was overhearing these people next to me. And this young woman who seemed lovely was having all kinds of conversations. But I noticed uh like she met with several different people while we were there. so I don't like one seemed to be like a friend that stopped by for drinks, one was like a quick business thing, and then one might have been a date. But at one point in time she mentioned that she was the illegitimate I hate that word daughter of a famous person. Mm-hmm. And it was a famous person that I have interviewed, and I had this moment where I was like, I have enough connection back to that person. I could probably check this, but I don't know if she's just (laughs) using this to get access to something. Like, it was just this really weird moment where you think about those things. yeah. And the fact that there are a lot of people in the world who are not legally connected to their fathers. Mm -hmm. What that means, how that plays in the modern era compared to how it was playing here was not that different, Right, uh, it just all gave me pause. Um,
0: I I rewatched the most recent uh, Little Women on Christmas Eve, along with the one that starred Winona Ryder. I just had a whole marathon where I watched <laughs> two different versions of Little Women in a row. Uh, but that scene in the one that came out, I think, in twenty nineteen, it starts off with this th- scene where Joe March goes to a publisher and is like, "My friend wrote this." <laughs> and would like you to look at it. Um, and that framework of the memoir of uh, Madame Belmont, where it's like, there's this unnamed um, editor who's like, I'm publishing this correspondence of my friends. Yeah. real re- like reminded me of that. Um, so anyway, I uh, I like Olympe Gouge. I find her, she's got some contradictions that are really interesting to me um in terms of being like yeah women are women are pretty deceitful but like we were forced into that position right uh, and then also being like yeah the revolution
1: but also the monarchy right that is all very fascinating and i think it's another point i always like to point these out because i think they're important that very very poignantly exemplifies <laughs> that like n- no one is not complicated sure <laughs> Well,
0: we also didn't really get into, uh, like, analyzing whether her abolitionist play was sensitive in its treatment of race or not, um, or the fact that she made comparisons between marriage and slavery. Like, we have talked on the show before in other episodes about the feminist movement kind of appropriating hundred percent the language and imagery of slavery to talk about women's rights and how, like, that really diminished the impact of of uh, the horrors of slavery in a lot of ways. We didn't really talk about that in terms of a de at all, uh, but that also was like a part of her work and a part of the world that she was in. So uh, I'm glad I finally, finally got her off to the top of the list after probably eight years of people asking.
1: <laughs> this week, one of the things that we talked about was John Dalton and his anomalous vision which most people would call color blindness, but is shifting to the terminology of color vision deficiency for accuracy's sake. Mm-hmm. I love this whole thing, as you obviously could tell. Um, <laughs> the whole time I was researching it, I was giggling at myself because my beloved and I are both kind of artsy folks. Mm-hmm. We get along tremendously well. The biggest arguments we have ever had in our marriage have been about colors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, just infuriated discussions of color. There is one pair of pants that, like, thank goodness it is gone from our lives that I always said was slate blue, and he always said was black that had just faded. And we would argue, bicker over this stupid pair of pants and what color it was Yeah, for a ridiculous amount of time. Two artsy people arguing about color is no fun for anybody. <laughs> because they both have incredible conviction in their beliefs. It's very funny. People have such strong connections to color. I mean, mm. I I thought about this with John Dalton and it's a question we can never know because he never really said I were I like I did he have a favorite color? I don't know. As a scientist, he seems to have been, you know, like he'll talk about which ones are pleasant, but so many of us get so attached to a color mm. <laughs> and it makes me chuckle. Yeah, I know your favorite color is blue. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing, and every time I buy stuff, you know, in the Able Sister store, it's like the blue one. My entire Animal Crossing wardrobe is just blue stuff. <laughs> Blue, 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 blue,
1: blue, blue,
0: blue. Uh, and then sometimes I'll be like, I- I'm going to get the pink one, because my entire wardrobe is blue. <laughs> um uh, <laughs> I'd, I wanted to know that, like, there there are a lot of accessibility issues that are related to color vision. Yeah. Um, like, there are websites that are anywhere between ugly and just unusable, depending on how they use color. Um, I have a friend who, he's he's always used the word colorblind, but he has color vision deficiency and is also a game designer. And we'll talk about how games are sometimes just not playable at all because they have used colors to signify different things. Yeah. And like you just you can't tell if that card belongs to one group or another because the colors that were used on it cannot be distinguished by people with particular color vision deficiencies. It relates to a lot of stuff <laughs> besides um, Oh yeah. You know, like what color you decide to paint your house or whatever.
1: Right. We, I think we talked about it in our episode on um the invention of traffic lights. There's, I don't remember if it came up in the episode or if it was in a listener mail where there's a kind of famous one that's inverted, where the the red, green, and yellow are flipped opposite of a normal traffic light. And so for people that maybe have color vision deficiency and have learned that spatially in order when they're driving, that completely screws them up. That's, uh, don't do that, municipalities. (laughs) Don't don't ever flip your traffic lights. I think most municipalities know that. Um, yeah, it gets to be interesting when I think about, like I said, uh, in our family, we did not know that my dad clearly was not seeing color the same way as the rest of us. And I think we had a discussion at one point where I was asking him questions like this about just like basic stuff that we encounter every day that, You're even taught as a child, like, look for this color. It means danger or whatever. Mm. And he was like, to him, stop signs, he always learned by shape and never really thought about what color they were. Yeah, Uh, Which I think is a pretty common thing. But I do wonder then, for children that maybe are not aware that this is a thing that happens, is there just complete puzzlement when they're in classes and they're being taught things by color as meaning. Right. When they're like, I don't know, it looks exactly like the other thing next to it. Like, I I wonder how many kids get really confused in those moments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if any of our listeners have color vision deficiencies, shoot us an email because I want to hear all about it. That's one of the things that I love about John Dalton's writing is that he's pretty creatively descriptive about how things look in a way that people that would not have color vision deficiency would understand. Like when he says, like you know, what you point to and and say is bottle green looks exactly the same to me as red, mm-hmm. um, and I can't I can't tell those two apart. It's like, oh, that's like a really good easy visual cue I think for people that that have quote unquote normal vision to understand what's going on a little bit better. Mm-hmm. It's such a fascinating thing because so many things happen in your brain, uh, to process the world around you that even so I always have that almost like. Paranoid concern that we're all seeing everything slightly differently, even though you can take tests on online to see if you have any color vision anomalies or not. Um, yeah, will we ever really know if we're seeing things exactly the same way? I don't know. So, uh, thank you for spending time with us this week. We hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. As always, you can always subscribe to the show in the iHeartRadio app at Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen.
0: Stuff you missed in history class is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your
2: favorite shows happy pride from tomboy x celebrating pride and the queer community all year queer founded queer run and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com.
1: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
2: Hi, checking in for...
1: Or the perfect table.
2: Hey, where are you?
1: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card.
2: Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it.
1: And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.